On today's episode, we bring up our favorite deep cuts for the Culture Quest radio segment, we discuss John Legend's Get Lifted album, and we introduce the topic of our next episode, Clueless. Hello, and welcome to the Culture Quest. We are but humble adventurers, and today, we are just ordinary people trying to change. With me, as always, are Peter. Hello. And Barrio. Peter, nothing snarky to say right now. <laughs> Look, I wanted to do some Snoop Dogg lines, but we'll get into it later. <laughs> okay, yeah, fine, fine. And I am Inan. Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today we're discussing John Legend's debut album, Get Lifted, from 2004. But this is not the only music talk we're going to have today, because here's a new edition of the Culture Quest radio segment. So, today on the Culture Quest Radio, we're discussing deep cuts. That is, some of our favorite songs from artists that aren't usually on the top of their playlist. Songs that we kind of see as hidden gems. It could be live versions that are better than the studio versions. It could be songs from demos or EPs that weren't on any album. Stuff like that. I think we each have three or so, and none of my songs are good closers. So, uh, I I don't want to go last. If you want to go first, make sure you don't go last. I'll go first. So my my first deep cut is a song by Metallica. And everyone knows Metallica. And I, I was never their biggest fan at all. I always thought that, like, if you'd mix and match a few songs, they have about two decent albums altogether. But my, my older brother was a huge fan of Metallica. So I got to listen to them a lot as a kid. And when I was kind of starting to develop my own taste in music, Metallica was one of the first bands I kind of looked into. And like I said, I don't love them, but there's this one song called No Leaf Clover. It's a deep cut because the song until very recently was featured in only one live album and it wasn't on any of the studio albums. In 1998, I think, Metallica played and released a live album with the San Francisco Symphony. Uh, they played Metallica songs with an orchestra. It's a, it's a cool concept. and. I'm not sure, but I think that they wrote No Leaf Clover specifically for this show because the other songs weren't written with the orchestra in mind. Uh, uh, but with this song, the orchestra is, is, is really an integral part. So it has a lot of Metallica's DNA in it, but it was definitely written with like a different approach. I would never have discovered this. This, like, I wouldn't have known Metallica ever like um, did kind of like symphony work or anything with an orchestra. But yeah, um, that's, that's pretty neat. It still feels Metallica though. He's got the the classic heavy metal singer voice or thrash metal singer voice. It's it's something else. Um, but yeah, Metallica like no, nothing is synthesized on this recording. It's all real instruments. It's kind of cool, and like this song was only on this album. They've never played it live again because they never play with an orchestra again until last year where they had another show and they played it again. So they, as far as I know, they played it live twice during their entire career. So Only twice? That's a shame. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a deep cut. <laughs> this is like 
this is pretty amazing actually. <laughs> I, I cannot cop this. This is actually, um, this is one of my, like the, my favorite Metallica songs I've ever heard, to be honest. And I haven't heard <laughs> that many, uh, but yeah, this is, this is just amazing. I love how heavy it is. I, I love this song from the moment I first heard it, and I still listen to it every once in a while. And, you know, throughout my life, I met a bunch of Metallica fans, and I don't remember this song coming up, like, at all. I, I don't, don't remember even talking about this song at all. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Going with a radio head. Now this, um, off, I'm not sure if you guys can see the cover, but it's the In Rainbows cover, right? But yeah. It's actually from something they call like In Rainbows Disc 2, which I guess devoted fans or just fans in general, they would advise to like play it after, almost like an encore to In Rainbows. And um, honestly, I've, I've listened to throughout uh, through Disc 2 quite a bit, and it's not my favorite, but this song mm. is, is like probably a top 10 radio head song for me. And I just, I don't know, just the energy is so high. Yeah. Like comparing this to other uh, Radiohead songs, I know this is almost frantic. This is really mm. energetic. This almost has like an idiotic kind of um, feel. Yeah. I didn't know they had a second disc to, to In Rainbows. I only found it sort of a couple months ago, but... Um yeah, it's quite nice actually. They do have some um, good songs on there. Um, I, I don't think it's like a standalone album that you'd want to listen mm. to, um, but potentially if you could like chain them together, whatever your music software is, just make, play the first disc and then play the second disc. It's, um, it's nice. Man, this sounds great. This is probably the most or the least obscure of, of my picks. Because essentially it is a deep cut, but you know it, it's still on a regular album. It's still, um, you know, if you go to Apple Music or Spotify, you can just click on it and play it. So it's not, it's not anything special, but um, yeah, it's just something that's like that you're surprised almost that people don't talk about it as much. I mean, that's the case with a lot of Radiohead stuff because they've just released um, like one song called "If You Say the Word," which is like a Kid A slash Amnesiac. Um, I guess outtake or something like that, and um, I think that's getting a lot of a lot of talk about it. In 2017, they released a OK not not OK <laughs> version of uh, <laughs> OK Computer, and um, there's probably like eight to ten tracks um, which are B sides, which could form the basis of a new album. Like they're just huh. that good, and they've just been sitting there for 20 years. So this one came out relatively at the time, I believe. Um, so it wasn't sitting in a vault, but in, in some ways that actually makes it more neglected. So yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that deep cut also means something else, you know? The first cut is the deepest. Maybe I know the first cut. Yeah, is there, the there's deepest. a deep cut t-shirt. Like you can have a deep cut shirt. So uh, you brought your favorite shirt, Barrio. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wearing it right now, but uh, you know, it's a podcast. So uh, you're lost. Anyway, there's... Serge Tankian, who I, I mentioned a couple of times before, he was the lead singer of System of a Down and, and had a couple of solo albums. And I think like, he has a really famous one called Elect the Dead. And ironically enough, 
a lot of the songs there are very well known, but something that always kind of like, I don't know, from my experience, pushed aside is the, is the last track, which has the same name, Elect the Dead. It's not as energetic as, as what you guys brought, but I think it, I, I don't know, it always had a lot of charm. at everything yeah. yeah I think that's what I like about it it's a very touching song very emotional it's a great uh, closer but it's it always get cut like I, I don't think I've ever seen him have a live performance like you probably do have but I never I never saw it it's mm. kind of interesting to have the title track be a deep cut that's uh, not uh, not a regular thing that's yeah. kind of cool so my next song is Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, The Mercy Seat, the acoustic version. Uh, if you know Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds a bit, there's a fair chance that you know this song, The Mercy Seat, the, the album version, I think, is one of their classics from the 1988 album, Tender Prey. Now, the, the, the album version is an amazing song. It has a dark and dirty feel to it. It's noisy. I, I love it. But in 2005, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds released a collection called B-Sides and Rarities, which contains an acoustic version of the Mercy Seat, which I think is an amazing piece of music. It's, it's mostly quiet, it has a lot of weight to it, which I get is a weird way to call the song heavy. It's, it's a beautiful take on the song, and it's easily their song I've listened to the most. Again, I've, I, I know people know the, the, the Mercy Seat, the, the studio album, but I've never heard anyone really talk about this version. And... I play this version to a lot of people and they always seem to really enjoy it so it's one of my favorite deep cuts his testament is stowed a throne from which I'm told all history does unfold down here it's made of wood and wire and my body is on fire and God is never far away into the it's a very touching kind of song it's very emotional very heavy very deep and Bar, do you know this uh, song, this version of the song? No, I never heard it, actually. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you've heard it at some point in my car, because I used to play it all the time, but it's a cool song to know. Like, if, if you're a Nick Cave fan, there's no way you're not going to enjoy this. It's really nice. You know what it actually sounds like? It feels, feels like the way it's produced, it feels almost like he's speaking to, like, um, he's almost like he's in a, in a courtroom, like, preaching, like, in his, like, final address or whatever. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it's supposed to be... Someone who's led it to the electric chair. Wow. The original version is just, you know, you kind of feel, it, it's so noisy, it, it kind of makes you feel like this is mm. the noise that goes on in your head before you're being executed. It's, it's, you can't comprehend it. It's just a mess, you know? Mm. So this um, is a song or a studio demo that came out as part of the Abbey Road Super Deluxe Edition where they, I don't know how many songs, maybe 50 songs with different really? takes. Yeah, so this is a Paul McCartney one. Is there a version of this song on any of their other albums? No. 
No. No. There is one, I think there is a version on Anthology 3, but just that was released like well after the Beatles. No, I up. only know Anthology 1 and 2, so. Yeah, this is a really nice song. I, um, I think I know this song. <laughs> it, it gets played a little bit, actually. I, I think it has been played on radio a few times, but um, or at least where I'm from. But um, it's such a complete studio take. Like a lot of with a studio take, it's more of like an idea. Whereas this one's like almost a. It, it's basically like it, it could have. It could have just been on the album if it was a longer album. Of course, back then there was legitimate reasons that you couldn't have an album longer than a certain amount. Yeah. But, <laughs> The word limitations. Just, um, yeah, <laughs> word limit. And um, yeah, I don't know. It has a light-hearted feel uh, to it, similar to something like um, Oh Darling or, you know, which is on the album as well. So that it, it was probably between this and Oh Darling, which I can understand, like, I, w- I would put Oh Darling in there instead. But um, to get this released, again, like, uh, after the Beatles broke up, it's like, you know, for, for people that weren't around at the time, it just feels like more Beatles. Like yeah. it, it almost doesn't matter. It's not on an album. I'm looking at the. You know, we're playing the music through Discord, and there's like the the, the album cover. Mm. And yeah. has anyone ever noticed that Paul isn't wearing any shoes on that cover? Uh, a few people have noticed that. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's got, <laughs> it's got like a known thing, right? Yeah, it, I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it it actually contributed to a, a little bit to the Paul is dead thing from um 1966 and uh but there's I think something with the license uh plates of the of that beetle in the background as yeah well. I doctored it, the it's license his birthday or something well. yeah 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 and he's got a cigarette which some people have kind of tried to like prophetize or something like that and john wearing all white you know like it, it's definitely like they've tried to do it but you know humans find patterns everywhere like it's just, yeah um i think he's done a few interviews and he's just like no, it was just hot. like there's <laughs> just took my shit off because there was a few there's a few photos there's lots of photos of them doing the walk like they didn't tr- like the way it looks like for, I guess for people who haven't seen it or all three of you um it, like they all kind of have their legs like outstretched at the same time and and all of their feet are kind of like linking together so it, it's almost like a a zigzag with their legs up until yeah. their waist um but they weren't like going for that like come on let's all like one two three like it was just they all walked they took a million photos and yeah they found one like this and and, and yeah it looks really nice um also uh yes at, at the time of recording uh yesterday the beat oh, i guess in quotation mark the beatles just released a another super deluxe edition um and this is for their 1970 released album um let it be and i'm still wait, making my way through and I, I almost did want to do a um, deep cut from that album because it would be new and topical, but um, I, I'm still kind of like discovering a little bit. But what's interesting about that one is um, obviously they they released um, all all three of the Beatles plus plus Ringo, I guess, um, released albums pretty shortly after the Beatles broke up. Like they had when you have four members in a band and you're releasing for the most part single albums you're going to have a lot of songs that don't make it on there. Yeah. And basically, um, George Harrison released a triple disc album in 1970. Like obviously he didn't write 27 songs or anything like that, but he just had them stored up from the Beatles. Um, John released a fantastic album called Plastic Ono Band. 
Um, Paul had a few attempts, probably one of the best ones or the one that has aged pretty well is Ram, but you can see them performing those songs as a band on that Let It Be oh, Out. You see um, one of the best ones is All Things Must Pass, which is a, which is the title track on, on George um, George's yeah. post Beatles album. And, but they're all kind of like contributing a little bit and there's a bit of banter and it's just, yeah, it's just really good for Beatles fans. So, yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, it's re- yeah, it's really good. Mm, that's great. Barrio, what is your second deep cut? I, I, I feel that I'm, I'm, I'm the pop representative of, of our Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I keep bringing Sia, but let me bring Sia. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did Radiohead. Yeah, Radiohead and Sia. They're both major parts in our uh, Culture Quest Radio playlist. <laughs> it gets worse, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is that well, first of all, I guess you're going to hate it because it's kind of like a very melancholic, popish song. Um, I don't think any radio played it. It's a really good song. It's called Confetti. It sounds like you, you heard it before. But what I like about Sia songs is that they're kind of meditative. Like they have some sort of an ongoing beat that you can flow with it. Ah, by the way, ignore the lyrics. I think they're just horrible, but... Okay. <laughs> it sounds perfectly fine for me. I don't mind it. Yeah, the first bit actually kind of reminded me almost like of a Björk song. A bit, yeah. Yeah. Björk. This sounds better than other CS songs I've listened to. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, and I think it's it's really no one talks about that mm. song. It's not yeah. like a Chandelier or... A... That surprised me. That yeah. seems like a song that would take off to me. Right? I came in right? on yeah. a chandelier. Is that... No. Yeah. Nice try, No, not not that either. <laughs> I'll go next. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I see some stuff I like. Oh, I don't. I'm not sure you do. Do 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 do. Underrated. Well, it's the Alice Cooper. Wish you were here. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say you could not put "Wish You Were Here" by Pink Floyd as a deep cut. <laughs> Probably why it's neglected a little bit. You know, like. People type it in into Spotify and then they see the, the Pink Floyd version and go, yeah, why Yeah, not? <laughs> that sounds interesting. <laughs> anyway, this song is a, is a personal favorite of mine. I I talked about it before, I think. I had an Alice Cooper period in which I dug deep into their earlier albums. The, the 70s and early 80s stuff is really good. And I came across this song and something about this song really caught my attention. It became one of my favorite songs for a while there. Uh, I used to listen to this one all the time. And I love the structure of this song. It has kind of a weird, fun energy to it. Especially near the end, there's like a minute and a half or so of music between the last verse and the end of the song. And it has a few really fun guitar parts there. Uh, This song comes from the 1976 Alice Cooper Goes to Hell album, which I think is not considered to be a great album among the fans. It's not a very popular one. I don't, I, honestly, I don't personally know anyone who knows this album and who listens to it. And 
Mm. I definitely never heard anyone mention this song specifically. This is like song eight or nine out of ten songs from an album that no one really talks about. Wow. I kind of feel like this is my song, you know, because I, I, I've never heard anyone talk about this song. And it's, it's a really fun rock song. A bit heavy, I'd say. Like, it's, it's a bit louder than I'd like it to be, maybe. But I love this song. I love the guitar on this. I love the, the, the lyrics are fun. And I think it should get some more attention. I'm, I'm really happy to bring up these songs today. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like it, actually. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a fun song. It's kind of a light-hearted kind of song. I think it's a guy who, who, who kind of wakes up in hell as if he's, like, taking a vacation there and he figures out that he can't go back and he can't contact his wife. So he's like, having a hell of a time, my dear, wish you were here. That just sounds like an Alice Cooper Oof, song, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> we're not gonna sit here and listen to the whole thing, but I definitely check it out because there's a lot of really cool solos near the end, so uh, totally recommend we'll it. We'll link them all in the, uh, in the notes. And right? also... And then to the Culture Quest Radio playlist, oh, which you can check nice. out in the show notes. Uh, there's links to the, the playlist on Spotify and on Apple Music. So, yeah. Okay. So, I'm, I'm doing a bit of a pirouette here <laughs> um, in, in Discord terms. Trying to, uh, so, it's a YouTube video of a, of a live concert, and I'm trying to skip to 55 minutes. So, just, just bear with me, guys. All right? So, uh, Led Zeppelin, in, in general, I would say... For almost every, not almost every song, every song they've played live at least a few times, I would say they have a better live version of that song than what they've released on an album. It's, it's hands down, they, they make better live music than studio music, and they're, and they're decent in the studio as well. And yeah, the, the quality is a bit rough because it is just a, a concert from, you know, um, 40 yeah. years ago, but um, this, this is actually their no quarter song if you can recognize it. So that's uh, John Paul Jones on mm. keyboard and uh, using the, the pedals for the bass. Of course, uh, bottom hitting the drums pretty hard. And Robert sitting down having a smoke. <laughs> and... Jimmy's just coming in now on the guitar. How deep is this into their careers? 1977, they already had all those. Like, there were already like seven albums then, right? At 1977, they would have been, yes, seven albums in. Very yeah. good. So this is when the guitar comes in a little bit more. Still the same song. This, this song goes for about 20 minutes. What, did you say this song goes for about 20 minutes? Yeah, their live ones usually go for about <laughs> that, that much. Holy crap. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. The drums are just slapping so hard. Man, this is so cool. Yeah, this is why it's hard to like other drummers a lot when, when you've heard yeah. this. Man, he's amazing. <laughs> I love Bunham. I'm guessing this was never released as like an album. Yeah. No, um, honestly, this is just one of uh, probably 
maybe a hundred to three hundred concerts where they've um, just they've got uh, they've got something on YouTube and um, so they'll re- they'll um, someone will find it. It could be an audience. It could be someone who just got a USB in one of the speakers yeah. and recorded everything. Um, and then years later, there'll be someone else who has it as well. And the the YouTube video uh, we're looking at is by a the the, the username is uh, Led Zeppelin Boots, and I think he's got hundreds of um, yeah. Led Zeppelin live recordings. It's just. Um, but yeah, it's been tracked down really well. I'm not sure if there's any other bands with such a dedicated fan base to getting all these recordings. But, I think um, the Grateful Dead has like 2,000 shows recorded by fans. But yeah, I know Grateful Dead used to tour for a long, long time and people used to like follow them with like recording equipment. And every time they'd play a show, they just set up their recording equipment and record the show. The, mm. There's always like pictures from Grateful Dead shows where to the side there's a bunch yeah. of people with recorders. <laughs> Man, this is so cool. So, you, so uh, in general, with bootlegs, right, you've got your um, where they plug into like one of the amps, which is like it's getting the info from the mic, from the guitar lead, from the um, from the drum drum mics, and from whatever John Paul Jones puts his hands <laughs> on. And um, essentially, you get this kind of there's no air because you don't hear the crowd. You just hear literally what the strings are doing or what the it's going through the microphone. So you might get a little bit of crowd, I guess, but I don't know. It just feels a little bit sometimes dry. Yeah. And then you get audience recordings, which are the most full because you hear the air. You hear, like, the drums echoing throughout the stadium. You hear, um, you know, you hear what Robert Plant says, like, not directly into the microphone. You know, you hear the, the managers. You hear all that. And then you sort of get the... Um, someone that uh, has, has mixed both of those yeah. things together. So you get the audience, plus you'll get the um, whatever it is when they plug it into the amp. And people are, you know, if you sync up the times and stuff like that, you can actually get someone to edit it together. And um, that's what they do a lot on this YouTube channel. And they're generally the mm. best. So it does quite, take quite a that's lot of work. That's amazing effort. <laughs> do you think any Queen... Well, Queen, Queen has a yeah, lot of... Yeah, every band has deep cuts. Deep yeah. cuts, I guess. Queen definitely has some deep cuts, yeah. Maybe spread... Like, I was thinking about spread your wings, but I'm not sure if it's... I don't think I know it, so it's a deep cut, yeah. You don't know <laughs> spread... Yeah, okay, so, so that's a good... Do you know it, Peter? It's a little bit. It's definitely an album cut, like one of those ones where you're not probably going to hear it that often. But is it, am I getting it right? Is that the one sung by Brian May? No, that's all no. Freddy. It's all Freddy. Let me let me play deep that. Cut. So yeah, so apparently it is a deep cut. I don't think I know this song. What album is this off? Really? Oh, wow, it's an amazing song. Is this off uh, the 1975 Night at the Opera? No, I would have known that one. No. I know Night at the Opera pretty well. This is from News of the World, 1977. Two misses. Two two throws, two misses. Yeah, News of the World, that's a good album. That starts out with the We We Rock You to We Are the Champions. I listened to it a few times, but I don't remember this specific song. Oh, it's a John Deacon song. I do wonder if like people who know all the Queen songs and all the Queen albums would consider this a deep cut, but I definitely do. I don't think I've ever paid attention to this song before. Yeah, it's definitely hard to know when you weren't around at the time. Exactly. But... Man, I love this song. Hey, it sounds great. Yeah, so that that was "Spread Your Wings" by Queen. Another one off that uh, another one off that album, the um, News of the World album, 
is one called Get Down, Make Love, which is, that's a great song, but they do it at the Queen Rock Montreal live album from, I think, 81. And that's just, just amazing. Like, it's a full band performance, you know? Yeah, I really like that one. Today we're discussing John Legend's debut album, 2004's Get Lifted. The album is 52 minutes long. In all music, it is listed as a neo-soul slash contemporary R&B album. And Legend has been active in the music industry since 1997, at first under the name uh, John Stevens. And he recorded two self-released albums. And around 2001, he got to know Kanye West, which featured Stevens on his album as a background singer. And around that time, a poet named Jay Ivey said that Stevens has an old-school uh, sound that reminds him of the old legends, and he started calling him John Legend, and the name kind of stuck. And Get Lifted was recorded between 2001 and 2004. Uh, it was produced by John Legend himself, with Kanye West and Black Eyed Peas' Will I Am receiving production credits as oh, well. Really? Yep. And the album also featured guest appearances from Kanye West, Snoop Dogg, uh, Miri Ben-Ari, uh, Lorraine Hill, and all kinds of people. And the album sold over uh, 3 million units worldwide. It won the 2006 Grammy for Best R&B Album. I think a couple of the songs won for like no, Best Singles or something like that uh, as well. Mm. And mostly the reception was pretty positive. Like the reviews weren't perfectly consistent, but they mostly were between average and very, very positive. Four singles were released from this album, Used to Love You, Ordinary People, Number One, and So High. Uh, the last one was released almost a year after the album was released, which is, I think, usually a good sign. Four, four singles from the album, and, and like uh, they're spread out for over a year and a half, I think, because they started releasing uh, singles a, a bit before the album came out. So I think it's a, it's a good sign. And I'd say, like at least by the impression I got from the album, that John Legend kind of wanted to come up with a classic hip-hop album that has a more elegant and sophisticated, more jazzy feel to it. Uh, that's kind of how I took it. So, what do you guys think of Get Lifted? Firstly, can I just say, like, he started in the music business 97-ish, yeah. and this is his first album in 2004. Yeah, it's a lot of dedication. <laughs> and he's got Kanye West and Snoop Dogg um, featuring on it as well. That's an achievement. Because there's, I'll say, Hundreds of thousands of, mm, at least tens There's of thousands lot. of studio yeah. musicians, right? There's at least another one. <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> There's definitely multiple. And like, I, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but I just imagine that <laughs> it's, you, you can you can either be someone that like can, you know, they give you the sheet music and you just play what you think. Or, and then there's the people that are like, you know, get requested to like be on albums and yeah. stuff because that will improve the album. And I think he must have fallen into that second camp because um, not to say there's like heaps of studio musicians who are just like doing average work or anything, but it's just like to make a name for yourself when you don't have an album to your name, like you'd have to be doing something really special. I totally so. agree. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a talented guy. I, I really, I really, I really enjoyed it. Like, I guess it's not my type of mm. music. Really? Yeah. Because I, uh, I was, when I was listening to it, right, I was, because uh, it's definitely not my type of music, right? And it's not in, in terms of like, I don't like this type or this type. It, it's more just like, it is quite far from like the rock yeah. genre, you know, and it, it, even the classic yeah. rock genre. Because 
a lot of rock songs I don't get into. But I was thinking, you know, this has got jazz elements, maybe some more of that modern pop elements as well. Obviously, it's got rap and stuff, but I was thinking maybe Barrio, this is like more in your wheelhouse, but well, not exactly. You know what? Like, I think, I think you're right. Like, it's definitely closer to things that I would listen than a lot of the other stuff that we yeah. hear in the podcast. But um, I don't know. Something there didn't click, even though everything was really good. The, the way that he sings, he has great voice and, and great techniques. And, and the melodies are great and catchy. I don't know. You know, it's it's hard yeah. to explain. Like, getting into it, I, I guess I'm I'm a little bit naive when it comes to modern pop because i just kind of think okay like is this just a money grab or like even if it's not a money grab are people kind of like deluding themselves like is this just going to be like same four bars and like you know just the same predictable stuff and you know what it it wasn't like that at all it was i think what kicked it off the prelude which was like under a minute i think that was a really good start yeah yeah like it, it totally changed my mind. And to be honest, it, at times it probably changed back a little bit. And I was like, oh, you know, I can, this has been going on for a while now. But just the fact that like he changed my mind straight away and got me like open-minded, you know, like that was, it's like starting a presentation yeah. with like a really good point or something like that. And like, it, it just, it was really smart. If it didn't have that, honestly, it could have materially changed at least my first listening experience. But yeah, he starts out with some pretty strong songs. Let's Get Lifted, Used to Love You, or I, I think they're all pretty big songs. And then he puts the two featured um, artists, Kanye West and Snoop Dogg, next to each other. And then the back half, you kind of have that, like not acoustic, but definitely like less intense, like the ordinary people stay with you. You know, you get you get almost like a break, not an intermission, but definitely like a, a breathing yeah. room. And then... It kind of goes back to that at the end. I think probably the first half is definitely, definitely my favorite, but I think the second half, I, I, I can see how people might get a bit like confused in it because it does. I don't think like the narrative is as, as probably as smooth, you know, because you've got the Stevens family third from the end and then you go to live it up, but then you've sort of got like a So High, which is a, a very different song again. It's. And also that kind of bit at the end of Refuge when he's like talking to his parents. It, I can understand where potentially it wasn't as cohesive the second half. But um, to be honest, like this was really good. Like it, if I like went to a music store and picked out a random CD and this was it, I would be like, wow, I, I did a good pick. Like this is just so much better than what I expected like the yeah. average pop yeah, album to be. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's not for me. Like, And I feel kind of like, okay about saying it's not for me because sometimes like if there's an artist that's pretty like in the ballpark um of what i listen to like someone's like oh you like led zeppelin why don't you like rush or something like that i'm like oh it's not really what i'm into but it is it's just like you know i just not really familiar with it whereas this is like i can be pretty honest about it being very different for me and almost it gave me like this feels weird to say but it almost gave me like almost a get out of jail free card. Like if you enjoy it, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like it's like, it's so far out that it's like, maybe, maybe this will be okay. Whereas if it was something that like, you know, I've heard about before and, you know, had like this previous opinion on maybe, maybe I wouldn't have felt so good about mm-hmm. it. But yeah, overall, I kind of liked it actually. I thought it was good. What about you, Anon? Uh, well, I have very mixed feelings about this album. 
like all in all, I would say that I'm I'm positive about it. I think this album has a lot to offer. I think that the sound throughout the album is really good. I think the the album has this full, warm, very... It's kind of funny to say, but it, it's a very attractive kind of sound, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know, I do. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, like, in comparison with other albums we've done on the podcast, this is this one has the most hooks in it. Like, every song has a bunch of small mm. hooks that you can kind of hang on to, and that makes the album, makes it very approachable, even if you're not too familiar with the genre. I think the the hookiest album we had before this was probably, am I right in saying maybe Songs in the Cure? Yeah, that's what that I was going yeah. to say. had a lot of hooks in yeah. it, but this one had, like, even more. Yeah. And on the surface level, it almost feels like a clean album, you know? Like, it feels like... John Legend was wearing like a real nice suit or like really nice clothes as he was recording this and the studio was like lined with velvet or something. It has this clean yeah. feel to it. It doesn't feel like it was like you walk into the studio and it's just like smoke everywhere yeah. and people exactly. on couches. It feels a bit cleaner than that. Yeah. And when I dug a bit deeper, I found that I, I don't connect with the lyrics on the album. And I thought that mm. the songs like when you kind of got into the lyrics were shallower than they seem to be on the surface. I don't know, I feel like the album was trying to to capture and to take inspiration from all kinds of things that ended up clashing a bit. But I feel like this album, while really fun, is an album that kind of missed its mark. And yeah. I've read a few very positive reviews about this album, but I also read a few reviews that I think see things the same way as I do. So I chose a single quote from a review that, as if that proves my whole point, <laughs> the, 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 a review of the album on the AV Club says, the album yeah. suffers from a surplus of slickness, but it's also seductive. And I, I totally agree with it. Do you guys want to talk about almost like the, the themes a little bit? Because I think that that's, it's actually quite a thematic album. Yeah. I think some people have called it like a concept album. Or maybe not a concept, maybe not a but concept definitely album. A, a narrative, like a story yeah. album. And... I, honestly, I do think that's a bit of a stretch. I could uh, honestly, I'm happy to change my mind, and I'm happy to be proved wrong. But <laughs> it felt like a very, a, a very like a narrative-driven album. Like it definitely had a sense of coming to terms with like his side of a relationship, and it felt very relationshipy. But they weren't talking about the other person that much. It was actually more himself. So it was like a relationship, a little bit with other people, but mostly kind of himself, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, you get some weird, I guess, repetition of, of the same theme. So, Used to Love You, which goes into like this cheating song almost, yeah. like where he's talking about like how he goes to all his effort to hide his cheating and stuff like that, which is in itself a little bit weird. And to be honest, I don't really connect with those lyrics. But um, And then there's the, the legendary song, I Can Change with... Um, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> which the lyrics are still so hilarious to me, where he's saying like, yeah, I can change some legendary shit. I was like, <sighs> feel, it feels like he was just not taking it seriously. <laughs> and, um, and then there's, you know, then there's even more of that kind of stuff later, like the one with the Stephen family, it don't have to change. So it's like, yeah, yeah it, it just feels like yeah. maybe it's a bit of a cheap shot that like three change based songs, yeah. but um I, I think that is t like a little bit of what he's going for. So he's going through like the re um, the rebellious phase of where like um, he doesn't value probably the relationship a little bit. Like he's almost like it's just a bit of fun. And then it gets to like a little bit more heartfelt. The ordinary people stay with you. And then it kind of kicks up again. And it's like, 
you know, what we've got is great. Let's like, you know, um, it don't have to change. So like it, it kind of goes to like playboy to like, I guess you could say like in touch with his emotions to like finally like realizing like he's got to play zone defense with his, <laughs> with his, with his life. So yeah, I don't know. Like it, 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 it felt like at least the themes were mostly consistent. Like they belonged on the same album. I would say. I don't know if I, I totally agree with that. Like I, like I said, a lot of the things in the album kind of didn't fit with each other for me. Uh, a lot of things kind of clashed. And mm. to me, like the main example is how like classy and elegant the music was and how the themes that you've just mentioned. Like I think there's like four different songs about cheating on this album. And they, mm. and they portray cheating in kind of a positive light. And, and another yeah. example, which uh, uh, relates more to what you just said, I found the, the, the experience of listening to the album that has more than a few songs about ch- how cheating is cool and about drinking and smoking and stuff. Mm. And then there's a few really wholesome songs about how he wishes his family was as close as they were when he was a kid. Mm. It, it felt confusing a bit. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah, um, and like, none of these are bad subjects. That's the change bit, in on. That's the change. Yeah, I <laughs> missed the theme. <laughs> I don't think none of these are, are like subjects... That, that are you know that, that, that are bad subjects to sing about but when they're mixed together on an album there's a bit of contradiction there that i found a bit weird yeah, yeah I, I agree but that. i think that this duality is actually like i can imagine that it's a big part of uh john legend himself yeah like i i can really understand how he's kind of like a party boy and like to fool around but you know he he perceived this as as moments of weakness and what he mm. wants is a kind of like a stable family with a fireplace and kind of like Christmas nights together uh, in yeah. love. And... Mm. So ironically, right, when we um, introduced this topic last episode, right, like the impression I had of John Legend was like he, someone showed me back in high school like a video. I think it was all of me. If it's not, I apologize, but it's basically um, – him showing his his significant other how much like you know y- y- they mean to him right mm. and th- the way it was presented to me was like this is like the model citizen of like how you meant to act in a relationship this is he's like you know he's opening car doors he's like standing up at the table it just felt like he just wouldn't even entertain the thought of like cheating or anything like that so when i heard um all right i was like is this the same album? Like, it just, or not even the same album, but the same person. Like, it felt very, like, jarring. Yeah. But when you think about it, this is 2004. All of me is a while later. It just felt, like, very quick for me. But for him, I mean, um, I think I think the, the incorrect response is just to say, oh, wow, he made a song with all these sort of, you know, the, these these themes about infidelity and stuff. And look at him now, he's not infidel he's uh you know he's very fetal <laughs> he's very he's very committed you know <laughs> um he's very committed right and i think like that's fine because it's the change bit again right <laughs> it's like you kind of almost need to acknowledge your flaws before you can address them and i think like if there's like people that are, I, I don't know if he's like cheating on ex-girlfriends and stuff i would i think if you're taking out insurance of if john legends cheated it would have been <laughs> very expensive premium, but <laughs> you you would have felt like a lot of people who do that are kind of like 
trying to actually keep it a secret, like not making an album with songs about it. And like, they're really like actually trying their hardest to get away with it. Whereas this feels a little bit like at least he, he knows it. Like he, he's at least confronting it, not in the way in like, yeah, I understand it's bad. Like if you do that, you don't bring on Snoop Dogg to, <laughs> to do it, you know, like maybe you do, I don't know, but it, it just feels like he's, Maybe not in the full bit of like, you know, I did some bad things in the past. This is like, you know, this is a song about it. Like, because it's too high. It's, it's, it's too sort of upbeat for that. But, you know, he's still, he's still going that one step further than most cheaters or yeah. whatever. That it's like, you know, he's putting into words, he's writing it down, he has to sing it. That's still something. So potentially he's actually got like had a full exorcism of these habits and and now it's changed so yeah. to comment on what barrio said about the duality of john legend like maybe he does he is a party boy that just enjoys time with his family but somehow it just didn't feel genuine to me you know i don't know yeah i'm sort of filling in the gaps a yeah. little bit to like make it cohesive and you're and you're not like not doing that and i think like that's explaining a difference so like yeah, and potentially what I'm sort of like bridging the gap with is just total conjecture. Well, it is total conjecture. Because so. because the album felt shallower to me uh, after I read the lyrics. And, and yeah, you know that I've, I'm, I'm not usually someone who pays too much attention to the lyrics. But, but when I do, they, they obviously give more depth to the album. You know, they, they help you connect with the album. But here I felt like the lyrics in most of the songs were fairly simple and fairly shallow. There was nothing to read into them. They felt as if Legend didn't really put anything from himself in those lyrics. He just kind of wrote stories, you know, as if he wrote what he thought people expected to hear instead of writing from the heart. Mm. Uh, the lyrics weren't even really sophisticated and elegant to kind of kind of to, you know, to match the music. You know, the music was really sophisticated, really elegant, and I thought they tried to keep the same level with the lyrics. And mostly, I just didn't like the message they carried. It's mm. interesting because you know I I got it actually the other way around I I like I agree that the music is very sophisticated but it's very John Legend like I think it's very authentic and I think that the reason why it sounds that the lyrics are not complicated is because they're authentic as well like these are really mm. his thoughts and stories uh, like he's telling his he's telling what's on his heart. You know, uh, at the end of the previous episode where we talked about li- starting to listen to John Legend and we talked a bit about his family, I, I googled it and-, and I saw images of-, of him and his wife and kids and they look such a wholesome, loving That's family. Nice. They- Very wholesome. Beautiful. Yeah. I want to yeah, look it up. And- Aww. Yeah, and and then like when hearing <laughs> when hearing the 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 album, I felt like yeah, that that was his journey. Like it, they weren't that uh wholesome and loving family from from the beginning like they had they had their rough patches and but but they kind of like made it through i think i don't know that's again my interpretation yeah i think from my very brief like surface level digging i think he was because he obviously has a lot of songs about cheating and i think he addressed it and he said in my 20s potentially yes that occurred but i think since he's met this this person i think her name's like chrissy I, th- I think it's kind of like, you know, what Snoop Dogg said. Like, this is some legendary shit. <laughs> like, he's, he's changed. That's going to be you the know? name of the episode. So. What Snoop Dogg said. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the funniest lyrics I've heard in a long time. 
<laughs> Do you guys want to talk about favorite and least favorite songs? Yeah, sure. Look, it, it was a little bit of a, a um, little bit hard to find my favorite song. Like, honestly, I did like the song All Right, but I just didn't like the lyrics. And that's a shame. So just can't pick that for that reason. Yeah. Look, honestly, I quite like the song Ordinary People. And I didn't like it the first time I heard it. And it is the popular song, I understand, but it's it's popular for it's popular for a reason. It, it it's it's just got the a nice kind of um, I guess you could say meandering feel, but it's also like got a little bit of that jazz element as well. And it's not like acoustic, but it definitely compared to like songs like Used to Love You or yeah. you know, All Right, it just it definitely feels like almost like lower lower energy. And um yeah, that's that's kind of the one I've connected with um the most. And in terms of like the lyrics and stuff like that, ordinary people and stay with you is I mean, it's pretty simple why, but they're more of the wholesome, like, yeah. like positive songs. Yeah. Whereas uh, songs like Used to Love You and All Right, like She Don't Have to Know, <laughs> like a lot of these songs I, I wasn't totally with, like on the same page uh, lyrics-wise. But, yeah. yeah. I also went with uh, Ordinary People. I, that's the song I listen to the most. Nice. I love how it's just, you know, piano and vocals uh, with more gentle than the rest of the album. I love the beautiful chords they used in the on the song. It was an interesting chord progression, but most of the chords had a few like added notes that had added a lot of color to the whole thing. Embellishments. Yeah. 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 And the the C part was really well done and I love the elegant and honest feel to the, to that song. This is a song that will stick with me for a while, I think. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I got to say that I thought I'm going to say ordinary people as well because this is kind of like the turning point of the album like like you said, it's it's a simple song. The the piano and the vocals do something that is very simple and 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 honest. I I think I'll I'll go with "Stay with You," the, the one after that. I think it's beautiful as well. Oh yeah, that was another uh, really cute song. Yeah, I love it how he rhymes now with now. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> uh, Peter, least favorite song. Yeah, it's actually a little bit hard. Like if I'm going off lyrics, it, it's it's becomes much less hard. Um, look, actually, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Refuge. I didn't like Refuge that much. Yeah, there, there was something about it that didn't didn't click for me, but um, the stuff at the end with a phone call and stuff, like, I was just kind of over the song. It's a four-minute song, and it's just, it feels like it could have been okay if it was much shorter, but, yeah. I love the backing vocals, but yeah, yeah all in all, not my favorite song. Like, because there's actually a lot of songs here with like kind of interesting drums. They actually like you get into like with the bass and the drums together. You kind of like nod your head, you get into it. Whereas this one is like they've got a few bass drum bits, but there's no real like bass bit to like be the groove of the mm. song. And then the drumming is just I don't know, very sparse. Yeah, it wasn't one of my favorites. I'll admit, like the when it's cold outside bits are like. Interesting, but it's just, I don't know. I kind of got sick of it pretty quick. Yeah, I get what you mean. My my least favorite song was number one. I think it's track five on the album. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I might go long about this song, so stop me at some point. But like on the face of it, it mm. sounds number like... Number six on the album. Number six on the album, track six. Actually, yeah, I, yeah, I actually didn't mind number one. On, on the face of it, it sounds like a cool song. The music is pretty good. It kind of sounds like a fun love song, but like when I sat down with the lyrics, I came to really disliking this song. Because yeah. first of all, 
It's the third song in a row that puts cheating in a positive light. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I don't think it's instantly a bad thing because of that. I, I think you can sing about negative things that people do from all kinds of perspective and, mm. and have the audience connect with it from an angle they didn't consider or something, if you know what I mean. But like, I don't have a great example, but take Fight Club, for example. Like, it's a very negative movie on the whole, but it gets you thinking, and in the end you can make the choice of whether... Yep. The characters you like were good or bad and, and what to take from it. So I don't mind that he sings about cheating very, very often. But I don't really care for the way he approaches the subject because he's basically trying to convince his girlfriend in this song that even though he keeps on cheating on her, she's his number one and she shouldn't take it so seriously. <laughs> Here's the first verse. It starts with, you can't say I don't love you just because I cheat on you because you can't see all that I do to keep you from knowing the things I do. <laughs> And this is the most childish line I've ever read. Like, this is like something a 10-year-old would say when he's getting caught doing something he shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. I know it's wrong, but you really weren't supposed to find out. (laughs) And then, like, there's a chorus, another verse, and then Kanye West uh, takes a verse in which he basically talks about how the main guy in the story is keeping his girlfriend well-dressed and how he treats her uh, to all kinds of things and that her girlfriend thinks that her girlfriend's can't afford so she doesn't have anything to complain about. And then that last verse, uh, I think, is the worst. It starts with, you're making it hard for me. You're messing up everything. You tell me I gotta leave. Say we over. Like, I hate this line. It's as if she's making it hard for him that she doesn't want to be with him because he cheats on her. And then he says, you can't tell me I can't have you. I can't have that. We ain't over. Which just sounds aggressive and threatening. I'll, I'll say, I'm, I'll summarize by saying that I usually don't mind the lyrics. Uh, they don't ruin songs for me, especially if they have any depth to them. But this, I thought, was just childish lyrics. Yeah, but he's not trying to be childish either, which makes it worse. Like, it's he's just doing, like, a normal song and saying maybe not exactly how he feels, but, like, this is definitely something that's, like, he's not playing a different character or anything like that. Take, like, Don't Bother Me by... Um, George Harrison, where he's like saying, don't bother me, you know, like, but he's doing that, like, you know, I'm being a prick. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the attitude. Whereas this one is like, you know, why are you making it so hard, bitch? It just is very like. You weren't supposed to know that I would cheat it on you. So uh, you can be angry about that. (laughs) Yeah. This was the third song in a row about how fun it is to cheat. And then the next song is I Can Change, where he promises his girlfriend to stop cheating on her. And that just mm. clashed to me. I don't know. I, I it just doesn't work. I, I don't know. Thematically, very, very spot on. Yeah. But, <laughs> in, but in terms of like <laughs> the narrative, it's like you can't be um, genuine on both of those. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Holy crap! You know, you you convinced me. This this is now my least favorite song as well. Mm. I, I was about to say that you know all the songs are in such like a fun nice mood and melodies but you're right like the lyrics here just, just um, are the worst yeah. <laughs> i'm joining in, in on number one if if i go lyrically i'll, I'll join <laughs> it. i didn't love the lyrics on the rest of the album but this one was a bit more offensive a bit more childish a bit less uh, considerate mm. i, I not, not for me at all let me ask you something like after all we've said, would you play this album at like a party or while hosting friends or something? Yeah, I actually did a couple of days ago. It needs to be like because there's a lot of lyrics, it needs to be on the low key of regarding volume. Yeah, kind of in the background. But uh, it works. It has it has a nice jam to it. I totally agree. Like we had a few albums uh, that we thought 
we would listen to mostly alone on the podcast, but this one, I can definitely see how a few of the songs from Get Lifted like could work in a party, or you know, the album is background music for when sitting with like a group of friends or something. It has a, it can be very energetic if you turn it up, but if you keep it in the background, it, it it's this kind of fun background music, and I think the the elegant style, I think the the kind of sophisticated feel this album has. It just makes it approachable. It's mm. easy. It's easy to get into. So even though I don't love the, the, the music, or uh, I'm sorry, even if I don't love the album, or like my number one was my least favorite song in the background, yeah, if you don't pay too much attention to it, perfectly fine, I think. Peter, do you disagree? No, I don't disagree. I don't really have a strong opinion about sort of where to play it, I guess, like that. Like, I found it a little bit difficult to find, like, the niche of where I'd play this, like... Like, ignoring the fact that it's not, like, a go-to album for me. Like, if it, if it was, like, where would I be playing it a lot? Yeah, I'm I'm not sure because it's, like, with with some of these songs, like, a lot of the cheating songs, which were, ironically, a bit more upbeat, I could imagine those being actually, like, almost, like, songs you would do whilst going for a run yeah. or something like that. Like, they're very, like, because obviously the, the beats per minute is very stable. It, it's got that bass to pull along. But then... You don't want to be like in the last kilometer sprinting to um, ordinary people. You know, it's just it's just not like consistent enough tonally to to be like a, a workout um, album. Um, and even putting something as a workout album is it, it could be construed as like a little bit negative, but not not in that way for me. But um, potentially the jazzier elements, I could I could see being. I think a board game night is probably too innocent for a, <laughs> a you know, a, a thing like this. And it's probably not loud and aggressive enough to be like a club song. So it kind of falls into this weird category. Um, something where like people are sitting around like mingling and stuff like that, you know, where there's already talking going on. Yeah. So because pr- production wise, it's pretty good. Yeah, like it definitely it, is. Um, I, I think Kanye West kind of helped out um, and, and probably a few other people. You you got to give it credit. Like it, the, it sounds like a good album. Like it, the the way everything's recorded and the way it comes through, um, is pretty good. So, in that sense, potentially something uh, like background music, it, it, it's good. So, so honestly, I don't think this is a bad album at all. But I do think that it's maybe not as deep as it maybe presents itself to be, or maybe maybe that's just how I see it. Uh, you might not agree with me. And I did think that there are a few parts in this album that just don't really work together, but I did enjoy this album. I did tell a few friends about it. I did recommend it to a few people I know. I could definitely see how a lot of people might consider this a very good album, but the things that bother mm, me about it yeah. were enough for this album to not really click for me. And the more I think about this album, the more it feels like really colorful and beautiful on the outside but fairly empty on the inside i don't know i don't think i'll listen to this album as often as i do other albums we've done and and i can't say i'm too interested in listening to other john legend albums uh but i I will mention that this was a very nice change of pace uh for me though because i find that listening to something that is different than what i've been listening to recently can be very refreshing and recently i've been way into paul simon's graceland and black sabbath so uh, this was a nice change of pace. <laughs> yeah, I think for yeah. me, um, like if if I was a manager or, uh, you know, a, an acquaintance of, of this person and he released his first album after being in the music business for a bit, 
honestly, I would just like give him a high five and be like, yeah, this is a good album. Like, nice release. If if it was closer to like the end, not maybe the end of his career, but if he's kind of going to new heights every album and then he released this, I would, I would say like, you know, yeah, it, it sounded good. I mean, it's not my favorite of your work, but you know, it's, you know, it does all right. But because it's his first album to be like, I feel like I need to be a bit more generous. Like it just seems like he's got like so much right. Like if you change like the theme of a lot of, or the lyrics of a lot of these songs and maybe you do some, reshuffles along like I don't know about two of the sort of downbeat songs in a row maybe spread out the feature songs a little bit just I don't know work on that track listing a little bit I mean that will annoy people that really like this album but from more of an outsider's perspective you change some of the themes you you keep the um really good production and you know and uh, this could actually potentially be a, like a, a landmark record like it, it's got all the pieces to be just outstanding, but it, this album by itself, like, it's got problems. Yeah. So maybe not 99, but definitely. So. <laughs> One day I'll get that reference. I, That's I, a Kanye I know, West song, right? I don't know, I know, but I'm supposed <laughs> to, to to laugh when someone says something about 99 oh, problems. I bet that's not a Kanye West song. I'm, I'll be annoyed <laughs> if that's not. But. No, 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 it is. It is. It is a Kanye West song because I remember, like, I remember that song and... <laughs> On the day that him and Kim Kardashian split, this um, someone someone did this great tweet, and it said he now has a hundred problems because <laughs> 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 uh, it was like I uh, no, I've got ninety nine problems and uh, and this my spouse is the one or something and um, <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was funny. But do you do you have anything to add or uh... musically it's great lyrically it's questionable I guess or debatable. <laughs> I think like I might want to hear another John Legend album. I feel that I would also like to read more about him, like personally. I think could be interesting, yeah. Like especially after this discussion, I think that that his music is very personal, and getting to know him better will help understand his music better. By the way, it's not an approach that I'm that I'm up for usually. Like I think you know, like music should be kind of like separate from the artist, but in this scenario, I think there might be some benefits yeah, to it. Yeah, that's a good point. One potential benefit of us listening to this album is if in the next couple of years an album comes out by John Legend and people are just saying it's just amazing. Knowing the transformation, the change, the, you know, the difference um, of his character over the last you know, few, few years or um, decades almost, I would definitely like pick that album up. You know, like I would definitely give that a go because – um, knowing now he's a bit more like on the clean cleaner side, like to match the the cleanliness of this album, he could he could still make like an awesome album. Like this, there's nothing there that's like prohibitive of like. It's not that his songwriting's bad. It's just like you know, it, it's just the themes are a little bit you know questionable. Um, yeah, questionable. So, and I'm sure if he's writing about something like he he really likes and he's thought about a lot, I'm sure that the actual like the the songwriting would even improve. So, if yeah, if I saw something in the newspaper like John Legend album just breaking all these records and stuff like that, that would just be great, and I'd I'd pick that up. Yeah, that's so. true. That's a good point. Uh, there there is a lot of potential here, mm -hmm. even though it wasn't my favorite album. But you're right, there's a lot of potential, and it was his first album, so maybe maybe there's more out there to to check out. So, as we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not John Legend's Get Lifted 
has a place in the culture quest a sensual's guide. We will vote with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay or an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay. And the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. Who wants to vote first? Yeah, I'll vote. I'll ominously stroke my mustache. Uh, Barrio? Yeah, same. Like, it's, it's, it's great, but it did not make that much of an impact that I feel it's... Uh, suitable for the for the quest, yeah. as much as the other pieces did yeah i did uh, i did recommend this album to a few people but it's not for everyone it's not just a universal kind of recommendation so yeah stroke of the mustache for me as well so it's my turn to choose something for us to do uh next and i'm going to pull up peter with this one <laughs> because there are two things i really want to get to but i can't decide between them so, so I'll give you two options. You'll help me decide. Um, so the first option is a movie. I really wanted to watch a 90s movie. I was thinking about what genre we haven't really uh, dipped into yet. And also, I was thinking about what movies I keep hearing are good. Um, so option number one is Clueless. Um, I think it's considered to be a chick flick. It's from 1995. I remember it's supposed to be way better than you'd expect by just looking at the, at the poster. So it should be uh, fun to get into. And the second option is a music album. Uh, again, I was trying to think about what kind of music we didn't get into too much. So I'm suggesting a jazz album from 1957 that has eight songs over 37 minutes. And while I'm not sure if it's considered to be a classic or you know just another album, it's one I was thinking of getting into for years. Um, and it's Billie Holiday's Body and Soul. Uh, what are you guys thinking? What are you more, more interested in? Honestly, I, I'm I'm keen for Clueless. It's um, we haven't really done any chick flicks or anything like that on the podcast. I don't believe. I don't think we have. Um, I yeah. think we briefly briefly talked about the Devil Wears Prada and Meryl Streep. She gets a lot of airtime. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it's wonderful at it. Yeah, yeah. and it <laughs> and it breaks up the um, the string of albums we've we've done. So. Uh, my vote's for Clueless. Yeah, same. Same reasons. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so let's get Clueless. Let's get Clueless. <laughs> I think I may have watched it once before when I was much younger. I don't really remember it. But I do remember when I was like maybe 12, I signed up for like a subscription to a, you know, like kids magazine kind of thing. Mm. Uh, and they had like rewards if you sign up or something. And... I don't remember what the other options were, but I chose two Clueless books, mm. uh, which can't have been really good, <laughs> especially for a 12-year-old boy. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't remember them, but I do remember reading them more than once, so I must have liked them. <laughs> mm. So Clueless could be fun. Uh, it should be fun. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so thank you, Peter, and thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. And thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye! Bye -bye. See ya! The Culture Quest podcast is brought to you by no one in particular. The best way to support us and help us grow is to tell your friends and family about us, and to direct them at episodes that they might find interesting. We might start a Patreon page at some point, that way we'll be able to do some cool stuff with people who decide to actively support us, such as you'll be able to join our Discord channel and discuss the albums, movies, books we're doing before we record each episode. You'll be able to suggest and to vote on the subjects that we do. We can maybe do listening parties with the albums we've covered and who knows what else. Uh, if you think you might be interested in something like that, 
or you want to contact us about anything else, drop us a line. You can find all the ways to contact us on our website, culturequestpodcast.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, double L dot org. So it's, it's a dot org. So it's, it's legit. And, um, basically they're the authority on who is worth giving money to in terms of charity. So obviously we'll give money to friends and family if they fall on hard times. But if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to, um, charities, it's definitely best to do your research because, a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering and hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not formal advice, but it's just a good place to go. Thank you.